Yo, what's good, you guys? I know it's been a while, um, but honestly, the purpose of these podcasts at this point in time is to just come out with good quality info that applies to questions that I get at the time so that I can respond to more people at once and in detail, right? Because sometimes when I'm getting DMs, I might voice chat somebody, you know, for a few minutes back and forth, and I might give them a really thorough answer on a particular topic. And then somebody else will ask it and I might miss a few things, right? Because I I might just kind of jumble up those two conversations and assume that that person knows something that I just previously mentioned. So the more and more I talk about something, the more and more things I can miss because it all gets kind of scrambled up. I talk to a lot of people every day, got a lot of DMs of people asking me questions that are all fairly similar. So obviously that's what the course and the close friends and all the products that I'm making uh, and coming out in the near future are for is to get everything curated and then, you know, be able to hand it to somebody with just one click and say, this is exactly all you need. That's like the goal uh, right now, especially this month. I'm locking in just so I can get all of those things done. And I'm really excited for that. Hopefully I want to drop it in November and then like roll right into Black Friday and just like basically sell the fuck out of everything. Um, so that should be fun. The last month and a half, though, I was in Vegas um, doing both some travel hacking and some house sitting, and it was kind of like the best combo ever. Um, so on the weekends, I would house sit just for a little bit to get away from the more expensive nights in Vegas. And then all the weekdays, I would just grab the 5 or $10 a night rooms and then just get a full experience of casinos that I've never you know, actually um, stayed at because that was actually my first time travel hacking Vegas specifically. I knew there was a lot of room to get benefit from complimentary nights, from gambling a little bit, just the fact that they also want you there because uh, they know you're bound to eat or gamble or watch shows or whatever. So there is a lot of room for um, you know mixing that in with the hotel knowledge and using credit card points and stuff like that. And f- oh my God, there was like literally... I did not even expect it, but I came out with Hyatt Globalist, which is the top Hyatt status. And that was from a hack that I realized it involves a lot of stuff, but basically MGM and Hyatt have a partnership and I was able to fully exploit that and get Globalist for pennies on the dollar. Um, That's travel hacking related. I can go into that later, but this particular podcast is going to be on a lot of questions that I'm getting about LLC formation. I know some people might think this is too far ahead for them. You know, maybe they're still working on their personal credit. Maybe they don't fully understand the value of business credit, business funding, um, and all the like kind of more advanced information. But I did want to provide this so that I can hand it to somebody that's at that stage. And then so maybe people can get a little more educated that um, could just basically not know what they don't know. You know, maybe they can just be completely blind to all the opportunity that is right in front of them. So that's why I'm making this podcast. Um, and I kind of just bullet listed down all the things that I want to go through from start to finish of an LLC being formed. And then more than just the LLC actually being formed, but being fundable and having that LLC be in best position to go get high limit credit cards with the least amount of trouble. Because a lot of people can set their um, companies up the wrong way, whether it's the fine prints, where it's looking at um, you know an industry that could be high risk. And then you're wondering why you're getting automatic denials, even if your personal credit score is good. And that could be just because you shot yourself in the foot with how you formed it and what you called it, what industry you classified it in, whether you knew you did it or not, um, all that stuff. So I'm just going to go right into that. And um, that would be what this this podcast is dedicated on. So 
before I do, obviously, disclaimer, informational purposes only, you know, I'm not, you know, actually hand holding you through an LLC creation. Um, on consultations, I will be a lot more in depth with somebody's specific situation. But this one is going to just have a bullet list, like I said, of all the um, things you need to hit and then things you should avoid. Because there are some major headaches that I want you to hopefully completely avoid because I already either did them or know about them and can help you just reroute and avoid those um, sometimes even costly mistakes. So let's get right into it. So the first thing you're going to need, obviously, is the LLC name. But a lot of people don't know about the do's and don'ts of picking an LLC name. And for one, I think it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, I think it should literally just be what people write checks to or what your bank account says. And, you know, like some people have some sort of vanity attached to this, but like what your business credit cards are going to say, right? Mine is LGCY Consulting LLC. I'm not worried about that conflicting with my personal brand, Mr. Credit Gems, or, um, you know, like any other approach that I want to have like out in the real world, because I'll talk about that in a little bit. But you don't have to actually have your business storefront be the same name as your LLC. Some people don't even know that, right? Like Google is not Google LLC. They're actually Alphabet Incorporated or whatever, right? And they operate YouTube, they operate Google, they operate a bunch of other different front uh, names. And so it doesn't have to be that you're stuck with the LLC name, right? There are a lot of companies that you might not even know that have a completely different name on the back end, but they go buy something um, you know, out in the business market. So yeah, anyways, just wanted to say, don't stress about that. But what your LLC name should be is not completely just identifiable at a glance um, about what you do if it's leaning towards a higher risk. So for instance, you wouldn't want to say Renee's Real Estate Capital LLC, right? That's just complete red flags all around, right? Real estate is risky. Capital sounds like you're going to take an investment money. Sounds like just a complete red flag, right? Um, if you were dealing with real estate, say you were doing some Airbnbs and stuff, maybe you would want to shift it and turn yourself into maybe a business management type vibe, right? Type industry, how you come across or how you would speak about your business. We'll talk about the industry codes later, which are like the actual tags to your industry. But in terms of the name, it should be broad and unidentifiable to what you do. So it doesn't even have to be words. Honestly, it can just be acronyms. Some There are some companies, um, especially ones like I've even helped set up that are just like, you know, um, AGD Enterprise LLC. You know, you can't tell anything about what they do from a glance, right? They just sound like some sort of enterprise. They're not saying AG's car wash company or whatever, right? This It's this weird inclination that I guess we have that's like we we think our LLC name should say exactly what we do like Bob's phone repair like that does not have to be the case if you want to have Bob's phone repair you know on your car or in front of your store or whatever on your website then you can do that but that could just be a fictitious business name or a doing business as name that you can file on like a county level it doesn't even have to be uh, attached like too crazily to your LLC so that's all. I just wanted to say that. Um, how would you know if something is high risk or low risk, right? I wanted to cover that. And we'll get into that right now. Um, what really makes it high risk or low risk on paper or like in algorithms with the banks is going to be the NAICS code, which is the North American Industry uh, Code Sector or 
classification sector. I don't get what the last two fucking, you know, I always forget. Um, but it's basically a classification in, of your industry. Um, that's like the newer version. That's for North America. The older one used to be SIC. Sometimes they're still used. Sometimes both are used on a form, sometimes just one. And I'll explain what some low risk NAICS codes and SIC codes are, as well as how to find high risk ones right now in a bit. Uh, I'll also give three options for you um, in different industries, just because I rarely see like practical uh, lists of like low risk codes. I only see people flexing like these high risk codes to avoid, but I'm like, okay, what's some good low risk codes, right? And it doesn't mean like everything that's not high risk is necessarily low risk. So I, that always pissed me off. So I want to give that to you guys. Um, but yeah, so finding your name, making it broad is completely fine. I usually have people do like three letter acronyms and then enterprise LLC or consulting LLC or solutions LLC. Just something, you know, clean, doesn't really say what you do at a glance, like I said, and that's what you're going to rock with. Um, after that, you want to look if that particular LLC name has a domain name that's available. And a domain name is a website, uh, a .com, right? It could be a .net or whatever, right? But we want .com because that looks better. So we're going to look up, if we're going to say blah, blah, LLC, right? We're going to go look up blah, blah, LLC.com and see if that's available. And then we're going to buy it if it is. Um, that's also considering looking up blah, blah, LLC, for example, uh, on your California or not necessarily California, but your secretary of state website, they have a business search tool and you can go check if blah, blah, LLC is already created, right? And it could be created in California, but not your state if you live in Nevada. And that's completely fine. You can actually start up that LLC, even though somebody has an identical name, you know, in a different state. They're not, they don't co-mingle. It's completely state by state basis. The only thing that would be, um, you know, possibly an interference would be like a trademark, but that's more like of a, a global level, right? If you ever wanted to check a, a trademark situation, like if you were going to make Nike LLC, obviously that's not going to end up too well because they have probably a shit ton of lawyers in place and uh, you're going to be infringing on a trademark. Um, so that's the USPTO website. You want to look at that for um, going on to what's next. Once you have your domain name, once you have your business name, you're going to just do a quick check for social media handles, make sure they're available. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. That's basically it. Just because you'll, you'll want to do something just to create those and at least own them. Uh, and then, you know, throw up something just just to have. Even if you're not going to be particularly social media heavy, it's nice to have. And then you're going to want to pick your industry sector codes, which you're going to give to banks, um, business credit bureaus, basically anywhere um, you're going anywhere that you're filing, you know, you're going to probably tell them your NAICS code. And so some, most people don't know what that is. Um, the one that I went with and a lot of people go with because it's low risk. And if you're in any sort of, um, you know, marketing or social media, content creation, internet stuff, you can use marketing consulting. The NAICS code is 541613 and the SIC code is 8742. Sometimes they have an extra four digits after that. So it would be to in total 8742300. Um, so that's the one for marketing consulting. I found that to be, you know, obviously really good results. I've had, uh, I'm almost at 400K in funding now, and that's gone great. I also do marketing consulting though. Um, you know, I used to do video production and that led to looking at 
running ads for people and, and making videos for people and just doing like an overall cons- consulting for their marketing side of their business. So I can kind of attach that into my industry, right? And I have I have a good story to, to tell around that particular NAICS code and stuff. Um, so if you're going to be, if your LLC is completely retail, maybe you just, you know, you don't think you can swing the marketing consulting or business management type vibe. Um, maybe you want to actually use the e-commerce NAICS codes, right? There are some high risk, um, retail NAICS codes, but this one in particular is not, you can totally use it. This is actually what eBay uses and it is uh, 454110. SIC code is 5961. And then those four extra digits, if you need them are 9913. So that'll be in total five five nine six one. 9913. Because um, 5961 in general, if you only use those four digits, technically that's mail order retail sales, which is like that old shit where, you know, it's like catalogs and stuff. Um, so yeah, a good gem for you guys to kind of like find out which NAICS code or SIC code you could have uh, would be to go look up actual companies that you're similar to and then see what theirs are listed as, right? So if you want to uh, look like eBay, you can actually look up eBay on the NICS code uh, website, the .com, and you'll find all the information there. Or sometimes their third-party websites will give that inf- information too. So just as an example, I was like, what if I want to be an influencer? Okay, well, whose LLC would I try and, you know, copy or whatever, right? So just for shits and giggles, I freaking look up uh, Kim Kardashian's LLC and hers for her influencer um, category was under television broadcasting, and that was NAICS 515120. SIC is 4833. I didn't find the extra four for that. But I personally, if I was doing anything like a personal brand, I would keep that under marketing consulting and just rock with that. Um, another one that I looked up that I figured this is how I would structure it for if it was anything like Airbnb related, I wouldn't say real estate or real estate investing, I would probably say business management. Um, in terms of like more leaning towards like property management type stuff. Um, and the NAICS code for that business management would be 541611, SIC 8741, management services is what that is. And so like if someone asked me, you know, what why that code or whatever, I'd say, well, I help manage like administrative tasks for property management businesses. So that could be like calendar scheduling, scheduling follow-ups with inquiries from current customers, you know, customer support, Website updates, announcements, um, some social media management sometimes. You know, you just want to know how you're going to explain it and rock with it. Uh, Something like trucking, which is kind of like you don't want to say you're like in the truck, you know. (laughs) Um, I would say probably 488510 for the NAICS code. That's freight transportation arrangement. So it's kind of like more like a dispatcher or a broker, I believe. SIC 4731 and then the extra four is 0104 truck transportation brokers. And I pulled that off of uh, a freight broker company doing the same method that I was just explaining. So if you wanted to have an operating company with like those type of details for that trucking company, and then a management company that was more kind of your funding LLC that had a lot cleaner NAICS codes or whatever, like a business management, marketing, consulting, something like that, you could do that and rock with two LLCs. Um, Or you can just be lazy, I guess, and do the whole, you know, business management um, but yeah, so that's, that's up to you is also a liability thing. If you want to have your trucks under the operating company or sorry, under the holding company, and then just operate 
more in like a realistic uh, industry code. Although it could be a little more high risk, you're not you know planning to get credit from that particular company. So uh, that's a choice. It's kind of up to you. Um, and heads up, the key markers for a high risk industry code is basically cash heavy and then a high risk of injury or loss. Loss meaning like loss in money or going bankrupt. So like even technically a restaurant would be on that list if it's taking cash, right? And there's also like high risk for industry for the employees. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts, and it's a brick and mortar um, location. So it can be seen as high risk. It's actually on the list of high risk uh, industries. And I'll throw the link to the list of high risk industries in the description so you guys can have that. Um, but moving on, because I just wanted to you know go from the top down again, the name, the business domain, which will be used for your business email that's coming up, but then the business category, the industry and knowing the code for that. After that, LLC business address is definitely needed to, you know, have that set up before you file. Uh, so knowing what to do in terms of like picking one and how to do it the cheapest, especially and how to not have problems. Uh, the top two major requirements are it should have good Google Maps Street View presence. So if you look it up on Street View, you pull it up, you know, where you pull the little person on the screen and then you look up 360, you know, panorama view of, of the area it should look like a office building. It should not say a mail center or a UPS or anything like that. It should not be a PO box in general, um, but it, sh- it should look the part, definitely. Uh, and it, it should not be residential. We'll talk about why not to use your home address in a little bit, but there's that. And it also, the second major requirement, which is the biggest thing, it should not be a CMRA, which is a commercial mail receiving agency address. And that's basically as shitty as a P.O. box to the banks and to everybody. Sometimes you won't even get through an application form because they will see your address and say, hey, sorry, uh, you need to give us a, a different address because this is not going to work. Um, so I had that problem. I was encouraged to go get one of those $100 a month virtual office addresses, and I ended up getting one that was a CMRA. And I probably shot myself in the foot because they gave me the form it's a USPS form 1583, I believe, which is basically turning your address into a CMRA. It's a CMRA form. It literally says it on the form. And it's saying, hey, this is a, a form that you got to sign and notarize to allow us to use this address and forward it uh, forward anything in your name to you. Um, so that's for legality purposes, but it does not help for funding purposes at all. So make sure you avoid those forms and avoid having an address that is flagged as a CMRA. And so now you're thinking, well, how do I check, right? Super easy. Go and use the USPS address lookup tool because all banks and whatever are looking at the USPS database anyways. And that'll be accurate and show you um, if you look up the address and then drop the uh, drop down tab by the address when it pops up as a selection, it'll show you literally an area that says commercial mail receiving agency address and it'll say Y for yes or N for no. Obviously, you want the N for no. And then um, you know you're good there. So at that point, it doesn't matter what company you go with. It doesn't matter if it's your uncle's barbershop address and you can just receive in mail technically there or whatever, right? It could be free. Um, it just matters that those two things are um, good to go. So the what's my recommendation i guess if you don't have access to your own commercial area i would say use your registered agent's address if it's not a cmra on paper so 
I would literally go get a cheap registered agent service, like $35 a year, not a month, but a year, maybe $50. Sometimes that's the one. Um, just go on Google and look at, you know, some reviews or whatever, but it's not going to be that big of a deal. You know, uh, pay for that service, use their address. And then before you pay, you can actually scroll down to the bottom of their website and see what address they're using. Legally, they have to show their address at the very bottom. So you can grab that and put it in the USPS form to check if it's a CMRA before you pay them. So you can totally, you know, know that you're going to get the right one and then uh, continue to pay for it and then use it. And then boom, you accomplish both the business address and the registered agent's address. So uh, you would have needed both. Sometimes people have them as different, but a registered agent is basically someone that has to be on file to say, hey, I'm going to receive mail and I can never say that I missed it, right? So like, if it's coming from the Secretary of State, if it's coming from an attorney that's trying to sue you or whatever, right? They have to be the one that's like, always got the door open. They can never say, I wasn't there, right? And so that's where you're paying them the 50 bucks a year for is to be like their dedicated male person kind of and relay it to you. Um, some people choose to be their own registered agent, right? Um, and if you had your own like business address, like your, your office or something, I could see why that could make sense. But Definitely don't make it your home address to save 50 bucks a year. That's definitely like it's public information and it has to be. So there's no anonymity there. Someone can literally just have access to your home and you're depending on yourself to get that mail. Um, You can't have any excuses there. So I'd say better bang for your buck just to get a registered agent and then use their address as your business address if it hits all that criteria. Um, So find some low key one and rock with that. Obviously, look and see if there's like 50 other consulting LLCs around there. You don't want to do it. But um, yeah, <clears throat> why not to use your home address? There's a conflict of interest here. So if you're trying to use your home address, most likely you don't want it to get blasted all over the place, right? Nor will it look that professional if it is. But uh, we're going to talk about putting your address everywhere, like literally on public databases so that the banks can find you. So if it's your home address... That's fine, technically, if you're going to just rock with it like that. But if you're trying to be private and say, well, I'm just going to make it with my home address, but then I'm going to be low key, the bank does not want you to be low key, yet you want to be low key, right? So if you're using your home address and you don't want to get found, the bank wants to easily find you. Their algorithms definitely want to easily find you. They want to know that you exist, actually, right? Especially because like over 80% of business applications are like fraud. You want to be easily found by these machines, a lot of times all these banking, you know, approvals or denials, the instant approvals are based on algorithms that are looking at databases and your info. So yeah, you don't want to give them a hard time. That's why I say that's one of the biggest things, but like anonymity as well. You don't want to have people just find your address just like super fucking easy and pull up. And especially like if you're saying you're making a lot and then you pull it up and it's your house, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, Business toll-free number, you should definitely get a toll-free number. Hey, that's a, that's a 1-800-1888-866, you know, those type of numbers. And it's different than, you know, just going to T-Mobile and going and grabbing an extra line. You don't want to do that. That doesn't really help you look credible at all. Um, so the one that I pick that I've had the best experience with and it's the cheapest is Freedom Voice. Um, it works. Like literally you had no problems. You just forward it to your own number and you can pick up those calls um i guess i can put my affiliate link in the description if they have one uh as well as like i said the high risk uh list of neics codes so look out for that but yeah that's the one i would use super simple i've already kind of vetted them out for you um 
technically just a fun fact the best thing would be to have a landline like a 1-800 landline and if i had to pick a company it would be from at&t because they have uh they report like not business credit but they, they definitely report some sort of database to i think paydex which is the kind of like the business fico um, but we're not going to go that deep uh today i'm just kind of letting you know that because i thought it was interesting but that's what we're trying to do we're trying to show some sort of credibility like that um so don't get another personal line definitely don't um, it's cheaper too, honestly, probably to just go with the 995 a month. Uh, okay. So now that you have your business name, your domain, which is your .com, your socials, your business email, like kind of planned out, which, you know, you, you don't want to make the business email yet until you get your business address and your business phone and everything. You can wait on it. Um, you then, now you're going to want to file with the secretary of state. This is where you're going to get your articles of organization, which is essentially your birth certificate for your LLC. Um, the articles can have multiple names, but basically it's just your LLC's birth certificate. Um, and that's what you're going to get first before you get your EIN. A lot of videos on the, you know Instagram or whatever can say EIN and then LLC or whatever, just in terms of like how they pronounce it. So some people think, well, what's the easiest, most productive thing I can do right now? Just go get the EIN. No, your EIN has to be attached to something. So if it's created before the entity, your LLC is even made, how can it be attached, right? So the LLC must be made first. The articles must be created. The date of birth must actually come up, right? It must be a thing. And then you can go get your EIN afterwards and then attach it to the LLC that just created. That's how that works. Um, don't get swindled by ads on both creating your articles of organization with the Secretary of State or the EIN because there are plenty of ads pretending to be a state website um, and scams pretending to be official uh, when really they just want your information and then they want to charge you too. Like they're literally going to ask for your credit card info and whatnot. And, and the EIN is completely free. So I don't think you ever have to pay for an EIN or that it's anything hard to get. You can get it instantly and you can get one a day. So, um, yeah, the secretary of state might charge a small filing fee, but it should not charge anything crazy, like anything really above like a hundred bucks. California is actually free right now because of some like COVID relief stuff. Um, so yeah. And then a fun fact or just a little tip. I would set it up as a manager, managed LLC, single member, if you're going to rock that way, versus a member managed LLC. And that's just kind of like planning ahead. That's just basically saying who can manage the business. Doesn't uh, It doesn't have to be a member. It doesn't have to be someone that owns a portion of the company. It can just be a manager. So if you want to step away or if you want to appoint anyone else to manage your LLC, they just have to be listed as a manager to be able to have management duties, right? Um, so yeah. That's just something I would uh, frame it as. Um, and yeah, just like I said, make sure to do it through your state website. You want to wait for the articles to get created and then make the EIN. Uh, and then immediately, you're pretty much going to go make your Dun & Bradstreet number, which is your DNB number from Dun & Bradstreet, their website, which is free as well. Sometimes they might even try to upsell you and tell you that you need to pay for some extra stuff. But you completely don't. Just wait to get that in, in your email or whatever and then keep going. And so now that you have truly everything, you're going to go put all that information in public databases. So Google Maps, that listing, you want to do a Google My Business listing. You want to get in Yelp. You want to get in listyourself.net. Definitely, it's free as well. They have a paid version, but you don't need to do that. And then you want to get on Bing. I would uh, wait three to five days um, after creating the Google My Business listing, and then there's a button to just auto connect your Bing 
uh, to attach to the Google Maps listing. So that's the easiest way to do that. And then you obviously want to update that um, business address and phone and all that stuff onto your, your website, uh, which is super easy to do. You can go on um, Wix, but uh, honestly, if you're getting your address from or your um, domain from Google Domains and your Google Workspace uh, business email, you should just use Google as well to set up your site. It's super easy. Just make a one pager, just add, you know, a couple like theme colors and then have a um, like about a section, a contact section, stuff like that. If you want to look at mine, it's, it's super simple. It's just LGCY consulting. Uh, uh, it's actually it. So it's just lgcyconsulting.com. Uh, if you guys want to look. Uh, let's see what's next at that point you can go open bank accounts for sure and uh, from what like the fancy term is you would start data mining so you're putting your foot in the door with these banks so that when you're ready to apply you'll have some time and some relationship built and the top two bank accounts i would go do is the business checking account at chase and then the business checking at navy federal don't miss out on bank bonuses i don't think navy fed has one but like there's you know bank bonuses for chase um and a lot of other banks so if you want to see which ones are available, you might want to check out, I think it's the daily churn. Um, but if there's plenty of databases that show like bank bonuses, you can all, honestly just look up the name of the bank and then put new member bonus or whatever. Uh, and just, yeah, don't miss out on free money because a lot of times they give you money just for opening an account and doing a couple things. If you don't know how to hit those, there's plenty of ways um, via manufacturer spending or whatever to hit bank bonuses. So yeah. Um, other banks I would get after those two was U.S. Bank, Key Bank, like a house key, Truist, um, T-R-U-I-S-T, which used to be uh, SunTrust and BB&T. They now merged. PNC, uh, three letters on that one, P-N-C, and then Regions Bank, and then B of A, just because there's a large reason to data mine um, with them for the future. I'm not going to get into that right now, but just know you probably should. Um, and then some possible local generous credit unions or banks near you. Obviously, I can't like plan that for you. You should just look that up in your area. Um, do some research on, you know, their approval requirements um, on forums or sites. Some sites can be like my FICO forums, flyer talk, credit boards, um, stuff like that. There's plenty of sites that have that. Uh, if you need help, you can just ask me. But um, lastly, I wanted to talk about if all this sounds like you're in over your head right? Like you're like, okay, my personal credit isn't even a one yet. I don't need that LLC stuff possibly or or do I right? Um, I would say, because LLCs have a birth date, it's better to get to be three months old or six months old or more uh, before you're actually going for funding. Not too big a deal because I did get like a quarter million in credit when my LLC was only like three months old, I want to say, like in terms of from its formation date. Uh, so it's not that big of a deal, nor would it be that like big enough of a deal to go get an age corp, like a shelf corp people will sell for like tons of money just to have like an eight year old LLC be transferred to your name or anything like that. Not needed. Um, but I would definitely start it if you're, especially if you don't live in California, California is really the only one that's like expensive to keep this whole thing operating because they have an $800 yearly franchise tax fee that as soon as you file essentially the, the timer starts, right? Right now they have a one year exemption, but like say it's November, right? And then you start your LLC and then that one year exemption is only pretty much one freaking month. 
it's not really worth it, right? You would just wait until like January and then you have all of the next year for us, it will be 2023 um, to not have to pay that uh, franchise tax. And then 2024 is actually the first one that you're going to be billed. But then in that case, you wouldn't have to pay that bill until 2025, March 15th, 2025, I believe to be exact. So if you're anywhere near like, um, you're still working on your personal credit in California, maybe you should wait until like January 1st of this upcoming year. If you're looking at this towards the end of the year, anywhere else though, I would say you just start now because I'm pretty sure most of your guys' fees are only like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. Um, almost all States have a yearly fee of some sort. So don't miss out on that. That can affect your good standing of your LLC. So make sure you know your yearly fees. Obviously that's state specific. Uh, the two places I would go to look at like some more LLC information for your state specifically probably would be llcuniversity.com or like tax jar. Those two, obviously they're going to try to upsell you on their services, but you can just use them for the free information. Uh, so yeah, so um, to answer, if you think you're in over your head, I say no, because you want to build age as fast as possible, unless you're in Cali where you kind of want to avoid that $800 to the face. Um, so yeah. Other than that, ASAP is probably the way. Um, and then, you know, three months, six months or 12 months down the line, your credit will be a one and then you'll be able to go right into funding, which is a whole nother can of worms that we're not going to really talk about right now. Cause I wanted to focus on focus on LLC formation. So hopefully that did help. I know it's kind of sounds like a lot of steps, but that's the right way to do it. And the biggest thing I wanted to point out of the headache that was going to be uh, avoided was the CMRA, making sure your address is not a CMRA. If you do have a CMRA on accident, you're probably going to have a lot of trouble applying for credit cards or bank accounts. Um, and everyone that uses that USPS uh, lookup tool on the back end is going to just see that uh, it's damn near a PO box, right? It's a hot address. That's how I like to just, you know, simply put it. So yeah, uh, hopefully that did help. Hopefully that was some new information that you probably haven't heard. And um, that will be the way to have like an extremely cheap overhead for an LLC to be formed. So at the cheapest I've seen, like in Florida, um, you know, $35 a year for that registered agent. And then like you have $6 a month for the business email, you have $12 a year for the uh, business domain. And that's like, oh, and then $10 for the for the business phone. So Overall, it's like 250 bucks a year tops to uh, run your LLC, which you can put on your credit card and it's fully a write-off. So that's um, super, super cheap compared to some people paying $100 a month for their virtual office because they think they have to. So hopefully that saves some people some money and they can make that transition. If you do transition and you're changing all your addresses, you do have to be like super detailed about that. Like you have to go all the way from the top and the federal level to the state, to the county, to the city, like everywhere. Change it on all business credit bureaus, right? Business Equifax, Business Experian, Paydex, SBFE, um, all that stuff. And it can get really tiresome. So that's why hopefully I have it, um, I have explained it in a way so people don't have to go backwards and do all that stuff because it can be a headache. But um, yeah, that's why you should do it right the first time, which I unfortunately did not on my first LLC because I was learning the hard way. Um, but hopefully you guys don't have to. And um, if you do, then I mean, I'm trying to think of quick resources to give you like the 8822B is an IRS form that you can use to change your business address with the IRS. So that's the federal level, uh, you want to change it with Secretary of State, you want to change it at the county level with your business license, which 
I want to say 99% of businesses need a county-wide business license, but it's not a state thing. It's just literally a county thing. So there's a bunch of different variations on what you need to do at the county level. Make sure you don't miss out on that Um, because that's like – it's not like it's going to put your business in bad standing at the state level, but at the county level, it's like technically illegal to not uh, have a business license. So make sure you do that if you want to be completely by the book. Sometimes if the county's big enough, they'll have a city license as well. Um, so just look out for that. That's like the more small um, thing that I can't really say like in broad terms how to do because counties are dumb. Sometimes they're super old. Sometimes they're hip and they make it super easy. Uh, sometimes they have multiple things you need to do. Sometimes you have to freaking publish your DBA or your LLC uh, in the newspaper for like four weeks or six weeks. Sometimes like states like New York do that. I know my county here in California does that. So yeah, um, those are extra little things. Like I said, I can't get too deep in because it's just a podcast and it has to be you know applicable to everybody all at once. And I don't know your specific situation. So I do one-on-one consults like still, although the price is going up because eventually I want to serve a community and then just curate the information and then start building up this like database of everybody's actual you know questions answered. And then everyone can have like a forum to go back to and say, okay, look, Somebody from Nebraska was asking how to make an LLC, and he already answered this a few months ago. Boom. Um, so that's the plan. Uh, right now, I'm like recording the consultations. I'm going to put that into the uh, course or community that I create, and uh, that'll be valuable for everybody. I'll you know chop that up, label it, talk about you know label what I talked about, and so it's all coming together soon. But I definitely just wanted to offer this. Hopefully it's not too much rambling or overly complicated. Maybe you have to run that back a couple times, but uh, feel free to ask questions. And if, if, if it sounds like you kind of did your own research before you asked me, I will definitely try to respond in the best way possible on Instagram where I'm the most active. So yeah, that being said, uh, let me know if you like this podcast. Like I said, on Instagram, just DM me, uh, maybe comment, leave a review, do what you can to support. And then yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, catch me. Uh, on the next podcast, which hopefully won't be too long from now. I can't, I think my next one that I want to focus on is going to be the Built Credit Card, B-I-L-T. It's a way that normal people can pay their rent, which is usually their largest expense, with a credit card with no fees. So I'm very interested in that. And I was kind of like shunning it at first because I didn't know that it had transfer partners and earned points and all kinds of stuff. So it's actually pretty exciting now that uh, my parents got it without like even asking me and I was like pretty pissed. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of a good card you guys found. And uh, yeah, so I want to do a little breakdown on that for people because most people can benefit from that extremely. So yeah, hopefully that's the next episode. I'll talk to you guys then. Peace.